0: Hello, and welcome to Exit the Stage Door. I am your host, Aaron Teachman. And I I have to admit, I have been holding out on you guys, my dedicated listeners. Thank you so much. I am writing reviews of theater shows and movies. That'll happen later. The first movie won't be out, the review won't be out until like April 22nd but for DC Metro Theater Arts. And I didn't say anything because I didn't wanna jinx it. I wanted it to be for realsies for absolutely 100% for reals. I had a discussion with the editor of that site, Joel Markowitz, and that seemed to go really well. And then, uh, but who knows, you know, life's like that. But it is for real. And there is a review under my byline on that website ...of a show produced by Baltimore Shakespeare Factory. That show is the original pronunciation production of The Winter's Tale. And that is the subject of our podcast today. The company, uh, many members of that company, of Baltimore Shakespeare Factory's production, were gracious enough to sit down with me and to talk about what on God's green earth original pronunciation is and what that means for Shakespeare. And it was really absolutely incredible. We recorded this at their venue at the Great Hall at Saint Mary's in Baltimore and very, 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 very close to Johns Hopkins University. Um holy crap. So many fantastic people. You're gonna hear their names. They're gonna introduce themselves very quickly. Please check out the show notes for all of the things that these amazing people are doing in the upcoming days and months uh it was an absolute blast to sit down with this amazing group of people uh, and to talk about a, a really in some ways a very arcane subject about you know how do you pronounce shakespeare and uh but that's exactly the kind of language nerd thing that I absolutely love and I hope that you guys will enjoy as well um look for my byline in DC Metro Theater Arts if that's the kind of thing that you do uh <laughs> I don't know that just still seems so weird anyway guys thank you so much I can't thank everyone at Baltimore Shakespeare Factory enough April 4 um Lynn Menefee and Chris Cotterman and Terry O'Hara and um Brendan Edwards Kennedy and Emily Sitcher and Catherine Zerb, and I'm sure that I'm missing someone I'm so sorry thank you so much for arranging this fantastic chat and um guys let's get in the weeds let's talk about how to pronounce 400 year old words and other stuff uh excerpts of this are going to appear on DC Metro Theater Arts that's going to be about that's going to be the demonstration of Metro, uh, of original pronunciation of the cast uh, but this is the full thing you guys listeners of Exit the State Tour get the full monty you get you're going to get everything we're going to talk k- careers we're going to talk everything about this uh as much as we can and thank you so much for joining us in the meantime here is the company Baltimore Shakespeare Factories well, selected members of the company of Baltimore Shakespeare Factories, The Winter's Tale. Yeah, I'm like that. I think we're off. Uh, I have a, yeah, I have a waveform over here.
1: All right. Hi, I'm Emily Sucher. I'm I'm the assistant director of Winter's Tale.
0: Hey
2: there. My name is Brendan Edward Kennedy. I uh, played Florizel in The Winter's Tale.
3: My name is Terry O'Hara, and I play Polixenes in The Winter's Tale at the Baltimore Shakespeare Factory. I'm Chris Cotterman, and I'm playing Leontes.
4: And I'm Catherine Zorb, and I'm playing Mamilius and Perdida.
0: All right, I'm going to take them off. It's official. We're going.
4: Hi, guys. Yeah,
0: so Baltimore Shakespeare Factory has produced an original pronunciation version of The Winter's Tale. What does that mean?
2: (laughs) Well, um, do you want to take it?
1: Okay. This assistant director. Okay, um, yeah. So, one thing that I discovered as um, this production started was that um, so I've assistant directed a few professional productions before, and it typically means whatever the director wants it to. <laughs> in this case, um, it was sort of my responsibility to be the OP coach because I was in um, Merchant of Venice. Um, OP last year um, in which we got a lot more hands-on training by the experts, um, the crystals from England and um, although we had uh, several other actors in this show who were in the previous production by being the outside listener um, in this director role and I've also had additional dialect training, which taught me a little bit of how people learn a dialect, whether some people are auditory learners, of whether uh, people understand it better by hearing how the shape of the mouth is supposed to be, things like that. So it it was an interesting experience um, dealing with a very mixed group um, of people, because this isn't a dialect that you...
0: Here. Right, yeah, that was my first <laughs> first big question, because, y- y- I mean, you're all trained actors, so mm. you can adopt accents, and you have, but you also have some training in, in how to listen to it and pick it up. Like, there's a general understanding of what a broad German accent is, yeah. or, or like a French accent, but OP is sort of like starting it from scratch.
2: Sort of, kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, OP is like this... It's sort of like this wonderful melange of, the, of, uh, of dialects from uh, all around the UK, like uh, I remember when I first listened to, uh, when I first heard about original pronunciation a couple of years ago, um, it was from a CD that my, uh, my How friend... How old-fashioned. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, but I uh, my friend for Christmas, uh, he got me a CD of Ben Crystal and his actorly friends mm. doing monologues and sonnets and scenes, uh, all in original pronunciation. And just the listening to it over and over again in my car, um, I could pick up, like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of like, sounds a little Irish there, sounds a little bit of uh, West Country there. You know, it's, uh, it's this totally unique... Animal, and um, even you know we are all Americans, uh, ostensibly, <laughs> and uh, you know we are obviously not from the UK. So we, like we, apply the OP in our own way. Like it's it's, uh, each person has their own sort of OP dialect. If everyone's right. going to have something that sounds slightly different, and there are you know there's a lot of wiggle room. There are certain sounds that you've have to hit, like, for example, um, like the O vowel is very O, um, and it, it, yeah. sorts of things like that. But, yeah, more or less, it's kind of strict in some ways and not so strict in others.
1: Yeah, what I discovered when um, teaching it to people that, I mean, there are certain sounds just to get your ear used to and get used to saying them. Um, so we would teach those as a bit more textbook, but once they got more comfortable with the sounds, it became more about a quality uh, mm-hmm. to the voice, that um, having a, very, a deep set breath, so it comes from a very earthy place um, in the body, a lot of open space, um, because the the dialect really lives in how you um, say a lot of the vowels, mm-hmm. so it's very open. So. You'd, um, a, a lot of the vowels that are changed the most are the ones that would be very flat, like a flat E becomes more open, like an E, a, mm-hmm. a, as does a, a flat like A would be E. So you have that space open all the time. Um,
4: Diphthongs are kind of gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So, uh, real quick, how many of you have done OP before the Winter's Hail?
2: Uh, well, you can't see hands. Uh. 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 I'll count them. Sure. <laughs>
0: Yes. Every, okay. I'll, I'll everyone, been me. Oh, okay. Me, okay. Because uh, that's an interesting. Did you? So you got into the weeds, like, with the nuts and bolts of it, on that show, and then, then you received like secondhand gospel sure. kind of. Yeah. I had I had listened to Op
3: before last year's Merchant of Venice. i I'd, I'd done a lot of listening to Op and, um, and it, it had, you know, had some exposure to the production of, of Merchant of Venice. But what struck me about Merchant of Venice the most was, um, after hearing The Crystals so much do it, um, is listening to the variety of characters and how there's so much room for different characters and different motivations and different emotions within the OP that I hadn't uh, expected. Hmm. And there were some, I remember one point thinking, boy, she sounds like a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) And and she sounds like a lady.
0: Mm -hmm. And he sounds like
3: a king and he sounds like a peddler you know there's they're all using op but it wasn't like they were all talking in a british accent the right way yeah. you know, some you know accent driven speech might might be yeah. it, was, it was very textured i found
4: yeah ben crystal told us he's like we know about 90 percent based on old records and all kinds of stuff, how they spoke, but then there's that 10% of wiggle room that yeah. the linguist, David Crystal, it drives him nuts not to know that 10%, <laughs> but the performer and actor, Ben Crystal, loves that 10% because it gives it... There's some coloring for right. the individual and yeah. the meter and how that might inform... Yeah,
0: and there's room for register and sociolinguistic right. markers yeah. beyond that, yeah. it's uh, I'll put some of my cards on the table. I, uh, mm-hmm. in a previous life, was a uh, German cultural studies oh, cool. uh, major. Ah. I have a master's in that. So, diachronic and synchronic <laughs> linguistics are some of the things that we have to go through. So, when you're talking about like, getting rid of diphthongs and, and <laughs> the shape of the mouth, when you're talking, like, it's phonology. It, um, and it's fascinating because it does, I think, I think a lot of people, um, when they hear like, oh, how can you possibly reconstruct what Shakespeare... Would have said, is that well? Well, actually, there are rules to how languages change over time. Yeah. English is a very well-studied language,
3: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, <laughs> we can guess pretty well about this stuff, I and mean, it's very. So it's really cool. Um, but as part of your, that's a total aside. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no. It's, I, I it's love pertinent. that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, and, and it, in a sense, it becomes more German because that's one of the things. One of the things that isn't taught at and a personal frustration of mine for German in particular, but it's true for many languages that they teach in high schools and the early levels of college, they don't teach you how to pronounce it. They don't even try. They have no tools for for approaching um, the students in a way that helps them come to grips with the way that, for example, the German vowels are much more pure. They don't have as many diphthongs. You pronounce each of them much more openly. Um, and for example Spanish there are no diphthongs at all. It's five vowel sounds and they're all pure and it's actually really easy And you can pronounce it just as it's, it's put on the page and spelling isn't a crazy nightmare <laughs> but Acting and theater has the tools <laughs> for teaching people how yes. to do this. Yeah, for people who do foreign languages yeah. <laughs> haven't figured it out It's uh, it's, an, it's an interesting conundrum because this is very much like a foreign language in a certain sense. Yeah, I mean, there are holy wars being fought about that. Please don't spam me for calling. Uh, Ooh, you just open a can of worms. Well, I mean, internet mean, Oregon Shakespeare is doing the <laughs> translations yeah, of yeah. all of Shakespeare's yes, plays, which I think is fascinating for a completely different reason. But um, yeah, the, the back and forth on that might as well have been a flame war from, like, Reddit. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're all friends here. All <laughs> right. um, yeah, that's, uh, that's an interesting... How do you develop tools then for I I I just I'm just gonna throw it out there, like the the original disciples sitting at the feet of Christ and then they have to teach people after that, like how do you develop tools to
5: Um. Well, Ben and David haven't been crucified, yet, so. <laughs> yeah. so they're still <laughs> out there to, to, to help us. Um, I mean, that's David Crystal was our fundamental tool for mm-hmm. the for most part because he provided a phonetic recording of the, oh, okay, of yeah, the script. Okay, so that's you know. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: very. I mean, that's obviously a key resource to be able to have. So you, you you did have he he read. Um, did he read all of the parts?
1: Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. whole play. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's just yeah. flat, without
0: just no affect, like yeah. no emotion, no just as a pronunciation. Okay.
1: Characters. Um, that's what we had during Merchant as well. Um, we had the recording, and that was how we learned, kind of what we were going for. And we would be practicing, and it, it is sort of a chain reaction. Of the more that some people get comfortable with it the more that the other people get it in their ear. Mm -hmm. So they'll Mm -hmm. hear it and get more comfortable with it. But then when Ben worked with us closely, he was able to, like, the science versus the art.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah. and, I mean, we also, for this production, we had Emily here, who would be listening very, very closely uh, to, you know, rehearsals and um, and the the, uh, tech performances that we do just to make sure uh, that... You know, we have a, a more or less uniform-ish kind of sound, uh, like. We would be driving together and just like, oh, by the way, um, you know, this vowel was, you, know, you could maybe fix a little, make it a little more like this. Or, and I'm like, oh, okay, great, okay. I'll, and i I'll apply it and then yeah. to make my dialect better. Thanks. <laughs> and we, just to be
4: like clear, we're not professing that we, and I know that yeah. no one here has been saying that, but we are not like OP experts. Like we no. couldn't right. do this yeah. solo. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this is yeah. such a complicated thing that to... That, yeah. We don't have that kind of hubris in this situation. I really, so we I really still start from the flat recording. Yeah, you know?
3: absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, I really struggled with that kind of responsibility being given to me. I thought it felt really presumptuous <laughs> too. And um, whenever somebody referred to me as like the dialect coach, I'd be like, la, la, la. Not, not really, um, just because it felt, like, yeah, re- really weird to call myself that. Like a TA, maybe?
2: Yeah, <laughs> like,
1: sort of, but <laughs> well, I do But then when my, well, my friend I who guess. came to see the show last weekend, he says, like, like does it quack like a duck? And I like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess I did it. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. Um,
3: and I, I, don't have any, I don't have any formal training as an actor or, or in voice or anything like that. Um, so, like, what I, how I learned it was mimicking. Mm-hmm. And David Crystal provided me, like, something in my head with David Crystal's sound in my head, but I didn't really start to learn it until I started to see the other actors do it on stage and in rehearsal. That's when I actually started to understand what, mm-hmm. it, what it required to do it. Um, that's, just the way, that's just the way I, I learned it. Um, and the vowels, they the talk about the vowels, is interesting to me because, to me, that's where OP... Opened up the most for, for the characters and for the the story for me and um, and the the languages and the vowels, the vowels, the the vowel sound.
0: Well, and that's what they say. I mean, I didn't do it for very long, but um, for singing, for for when you're singing, the only part that truly matters is hitting the vowels, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to linger. You don't want to linger on on the consonants because then you're you're missing the actual phoneme itself, because it needs the, yeah. it needs the vowel to be point. understood yeah. and sustained. So that's actually, I think, a really, a really strong way to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what was, how long did you have for the, this rehearsal process?
5: Um, yeah, so we started at about, um, we started f- rehearsals proper right at the end of January, whatever that last weekend mm-hmm. of January was. But before that we, you know, one of the things we do with this company is we do a pretty substantial amount of text work. Mm-hmm. Prior to coming into the show, um, uh, either that involves a lot of things, from you know paraphrasing all of the lines. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, we say paraphrasing, but it's really just more word for word substitution. Which is more, <laughs> d- more difficult than paraphrasing, yeah. uh, so I don't mean to belittle it. Um, and then we scan all of our verse lines, and uh, you know a lot of this play is verse, um, or a lot of my all of my lines are verse. <laughs> yeah. um, And because we do, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the fundamentals of the of the the metrical fundamentals Mm -hmm. that you know Shakespeare wrote into his play, Um, and we do, you know, look at rhetoric, the rhetoric, the rhetorical devices he used, because you know writers and actors in in that time, especially, um, you know, they 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 were they were used to expressing themselves rhetorically. Mm, Right. You know, Shakespeare wrote, uh, and it's, you know, that's the way the grammar, if you look at like the grammar of the first folio, grammar at that point in the English language was not codified at all, so the way the punctuation in the first folio uh, is sort of laid out, you know, is very rhetorical, almost, <laughs> rather than grammatical, Right um, yeah. <laughs> um, because that's how the actors thought. Yeah. um, And so, yeah, those are all the things we look at before we go into rehearsal. And then we went into rehearsal, and we, you know, we, but we only do like three days a week.
0: Yeah, I was going to say how long,
5: like. So, like seven to ten on whatever days we. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever the when's weekdays it are, Wednesday, right, you right. know, and then uh, uh, like an all-day Saturday thing. Yeah. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I
4: have to add in, like, as an actor coming from D.C., that <laughs> yeah. oftentimes it's a shorter rehearsal process, but it's like six out of seven days. But this is great because yeah. it's like yeah. three days that you're fighting the yeah. big like, the other the nights, masses, <laughs> the, the big other exodus. It all... So it's good to have a light rehearsal schedule. Well, it's, it's interesting too, too.
0: right, because it, it's almost like, I mean, when you've committed yourself to, the mental resources to being in a production. Um, Sometimes it's not just about time spent in the room, which is often wasted if you're not in the scene being worked or you don't have like three ASMs, somebody's doing a dance rehearsal, somebody else, somebody else is doing a vocal (laughs) rehearsal. Like there's a lot of downtime in an eight-hour day that's not necessarily productive and isn't allowing you to work on, on your craft. Whereas if you have three days, then you've got notes, you've got things that you can incorporate, you can do lots of homework and then come back and bring something, a lot to the room over and over and over again as a as a period of time goes on. I think you you guys developed a, a really rich understanding of the text. I think this is a very good production of The Winter's Tale that has oh, a lot thanks. of nuance in it, that catches a lot of these things. Especially, I mean, if you're going to go to the trouble of doing original pronunciation, it makes sense that you're going back to the rhetorical devices, that you're going back to the illusions, that you're going back to figuring out the rhythms again. Because for many people hearing it, they're going to be, they're not the rhythms that they've recognized. Mm-hmm. And so having that kind of backbone of time to, to develop that is Crucial, I think so. Yeah.
5: And that's the, I mean, we put that same level of work into all of our productions, mm-hmm. not just the OP. So it's, you know, that, that, that's, that's the fundamental sort right. of like yeah. performance vision of the company. So. Very meticulous. I
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually like uh, this, and this is my own, uh, I've gotten into trouble uh, for saying this as well, but I actually like the factory metaphor for theater companies. A lot of people bristle at. The mechanistic idea of a factory as it relates to art. Mm -hmm. Um, But they make Rolls Royces in factories, too, is the part that I come back to. Mm -hmm. It's like, they make nice things in theaters. They they make nice things in factories. They don't just make widgets. So, like, you know, the fact that we have a a logistical process established to make each particular piece of art sing can be very useful. You don't have to replicate that. You don't have to rebuild the wheel every time. Mm -hmm. But you go into a rehearsal process, you just save yourself so much mental energy so that you can go into the show instead of creating a theater. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, I I always appreciate the respect of the work that goes into um, working on an artistic and creative project. Um, I feel like a lot of people who don't work in the arts sort of uh, will sometimes uh, be dismissive and think, like, because you're doing something that you love and think is fun, that you're just having fun. Right. You know, it's not an <laughs> after-school we, oh, hobby. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's>, uh... <laughs> like, no, it work really hard and. It, Long have to nights, give, have to give up a lot sometimes. of, a <laughs> yes. lot of sacrifice. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, how loud, how loud can I clear my throat? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: You can't see it, but Catherine's dying. <laughs> uh,
0: a little bit inside. Uh, I used to actually, um, I used to. Run shows. I am I am a theater lighting technician. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, so I did review the show for DC Metro Theater Arts and portions of this podcast. I love your later. shout out to get us yeah. new lights. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I saw, I was just, you guys are dying and you're <laughs> dancing. These things are so hot. Oh my gosh. When they work. When they work. I noticed that it's like, there's only nine of them on. That doesn't feel, <laughs> that dead center gap doesn't feel yeah. intentional. <laughs> <laughs> We're very if you would scrappy. Would like to make a donation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, please, anybody's please, um, willing out there. To we make a
2: uh, will to gladly accept new lights. <laughs> 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 well, really,
5: somebody
3: should just come and wire them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are gladly accepting <laughs> electricians. Really Thank you. But
0: yeah. Is this the? So we're at uh, the Great Hall at St. Mary's, um, a place that I didn't know existed until I came out to review the show. Um, is this the pr- only venue that BSF? Produces in or no? Uh, yes, yes
5: and no. <laughs> <laughs> this is our home base, uh, and this is where we produce our shows in, in, exclusively in the in the spring and the fall. But in the summer, we also we do most of our shows outdoors. Oh, uh, we okay. Do, uh, the Evergreen, uh, the the Evergreen Museum and Library, the Johns Hopkins Evergreen Museum. They have
2: a particular <laughs> name
5: they like to use, but it's the it's the Evergreen. Like museum, that's Mm -hmm. right over. I'm pointing. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) It's off to his right. That would be sort of to the Uh, north. It's like five minutes down the street. It's a gorgeous. uh, You know, it was the Garrett family. Mansion, yeah. um, Oh, oh, okay. So, uh, wedding destination, it is a very popular (laughs) wedding destination. It's very lovely. Uh, you should check it out if you're looking for venue, it's gorgeous. Uh, but they have a big meadow back there, and that's and so we do three weekends of our summer shows Mm -hmm. in the meadow and then one weekend here. But we rehearse out of here. This is our like home.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. It is a very interesting place. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, the uh, recording will convey the (laughs) very interesting acoustics as well because. (laughs) Wanna, so, yeah, we should, we should talk about that a little bit as a transition, because BSF's overall performance philosophy, in a way that original pronunciation works in, is that you're trying to recreate, spiritually recreate the conditions of theater mm. in Shakespeare's time, so there are no lighting cues. Um, but th- uh, that would also mean that there's no amplification for your voices, mm. which is why being in a theater Room like this, which is so acoustically alive, is so important.
3: Yeah, we I find f- there's there's certain dead yeah. dead spots. Oh yeah, I yeah. mean there's certain places you know you can't cast your voice. Interesting. You the audience to right really, know in really how loud is a
1: dead zone. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so it helps the know those <laughs> if you're going to be on stage, it's just so heard. it's just so unpredictable. So sometimes people, uh, some of the actors would be speaking in one direction. Beautiful, clear, you can hear them, then they'll turn their head and it's (laughs) lost.
2: Yeah, so we we have to be very, very conscious of how we're using our voices pretty much all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. we can't uh, afford to be too quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, You know, we can be, as actors, we can be intimate on stage with one another. um, But, you know, we can't be like whispering, you know, very tenderly into each other's ears. so we have to yeah we just have to act good <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I, know, I mean this is essentially a thrust uh, configuration too which adds another layer of difficulty because you have to deal with the you have to deal with the line the sight lines and know your strong angles and know the shapes on stage that makes sense um, which again you guys did very well <laughs> it was very clear that there was an understanding of where those lines were and and how to make sure that you could pack as the whole company also on stage the element
3: of Uh, audience participation is very Mm -hmm. important to us so um, one of the reasons we do so much music beforehand before the show starts cast can come out and look at the audience members and begin Mm -hmm. to cast their audience members where they're going to go for a point Mm -hmm. of focus or who they're going to (laughs) cast a line to Um, and so that's another aspect of this that makes each show a little you know I'm sure, it's him. different. Right. right, it's different, in particular in that way, depending on the audience, audience reaction, mm-hmm. how the different cast members cast the audience, and it's where a, they are.
2: It's a fun kind of danger. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I gonna pick on tonight?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what was it? I saw the show last Friday. Was that technically was opening? opening yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. Do you find yeah. that there's a different energy mm-hmm. for that on the audience participation on the opening night as opposed to other nights? Or?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: I, I don't, but that, mm-hmm. that, that, like, that's
4: true. I only find there is because I feel like a lot of friends and family mm-hmm. come, yeah. so they're a little bit more uh, excited, You're and, right. yeah. but I, I think everyone's pretty much, like Chris said, that there's, a, a, everyone are pretty good sports throughout yeah. the run. It's <laughs> not like yeah. opening night is like, oh, <sighs> this is the only time we're going to get people. <laughs> but I feel like it's especially live. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: The, and the, the musical component, I think, is really is really interesting and, and obviously important to Shakespeare as well, because there are so many songs in Shakespeare, and mm-hmm. the idea of doing like acoustic covers of relevant pop music is absolutely hilarious uh Ooh. i mean if you read the review that you know that i absolutely loved the audacity of singing torn right after the That's end awesome. of the first part which is great um that was I think we intended it that way
1: I-, I made a lot of too soon jokes <laughs> uh
0: so how, how did that set list how do you build a set list the For that, do you do you like specifically like build it around the show, or is there something that is like this? this, These are the songs of this company. We (laughs) we worked with
3: wonderful musical directors. Mm -hmm. So in this case, it was Jim Stimson and Jamie Horrell, and uh, they together worked up the list based on their.
5: Yeah. Reading of the play and the discussions with mm-hmm. the director. But yeah, I think it changes depending, depending on who's directing
0: mm-hmm. and okay. who's doing yeah. music.
4: Sometimes they'll take suggestions. Like I know shows i would be like, "Wow, oh, this song's perfect," or Brenda would be like, "Hey, we I found this duet." So sometimes they'll take suggestions, and but mostly, yeah. yeah. When okay. I
5: direct, I kind of dictate. I say, no, <laughs> yes. "You're doing this, David Bowie." Boys. <laughs> oh, <yeah, time.">
1: but, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but but you also, also take suggestions. Oh, I do. So. Yeah. Well, yes. yeah. Did <laughs> we say? Before did rejecting. we
4: say Chris's other title? I don't think we did. Okay. You're like, big uh, dog title.
5: Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I'm the company's associate artistic director. Ah, also, okay. And I yeah. also direct shows for the company. Um, I'll be directing Julius Caesar this summer. Mm. Plug, plug my production. There we go. <laughs> go Lucky, plug, Starring <laughs> Terry O'Fro. <laughs> as Casca. Oh, <Yeah. laughs> Casca. I'm Casca.
0: That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're breaking news around the table. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I didn't know this.
1: Congratulations. Oh, um, well, One thing. Circling back to the, the music question, <laughs> it's also, sometimes the decision will be made based on the musicians in the cast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on, um, like, oh, we happen to have um, somebody who can play this instrument, or we happen to have somebody who is this particular type of singer, and this voice, mm. this song would really suit their voice. Um, yeah, So that's. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> I mean, you are the percussion section. You are You are am the banjo, the wash tambourine, board, too. Wash and, and the washboard. Wash I'm right. going to be
0: using that somehow. <laughs> the bluegrass uh, <laughs> version of Julius yeah.
5: Yeah.
2: either. And also, um, the music that we use, I think, also depends on rights. <laughs> we're, we're pretty, we're pretty mm, strict about yeah. rights. Uh, we don't want uh, legal action applied to us, so, uh, you know. Yeah, we, <laughs> don't, we don't want to get a season and desist, really. No, no thanks. It's yeah, a publishing company. So, yeah, right. yeah.
1: Uh, so lots of elements. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very nuanced, very
2: complicated <laughs> process by which we choose our music.
0: Mm. So art, essentially. It's <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. Professional art. Goes, goes back
3: <laughs> to the term factory. One of the, I, think, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, people who've been around longer than me, the factory was uh, one of the visions um, of the company was to have Shakespeare that's extremely accessible. hmm that is available to and enjoyable by a wide spectrum of of people and I think that we've demonstrated that's that's really possible. Um, People of all ages, of all backgrounds, um, and that's where the factory, one of the reasons we use the term factories, it's not snooty. (laughs) (laughs) It's good because it's uh, for the groundlings. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It's like approaching Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. Parts and labor.
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, so let's see. We are I think if we're just we're gonna organize the logistics of this in, in the moment. So we'll see if this works or not. Uh I do think it would be helpful if people could hear some dialogue. Um uh I I think we should do two I think we should do two things. I think in one we need I, I would love each of you to like Talk a little bit about what you what you bring to it, and then just to give a little snippet uh, of of your own dialogue. I want everybody's voice to be heard. I want everybody to, to have a chance to be to be featured, um, and we can we can always cut them up later, <laughs> put them out as well. But I also think uh, it would be really great if we if there are scenes together, if if we have enough people. I think I mean, I think there's definitely a couple of scenes that we are like scene lit. Yeah. You two interact yeah. for sure, yeah. yeah. And Brendan and I.
4: Very yeah. little, though,
0: yeah. just the start. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we'll just re. I think that, because I think the flow of of like the scene is just as important for because mm-hmm. the rhythm of it is so, is something that's so so much important to, to grab onto. Uh, if you could repeat your character names.
3: Sure. Uh, uh, Polyxenes Polixenes is the king of Bohemia, and he is visiting uh, his best friend. Leontes, the king of Sicilia. And
0: Leontes, <laughs> <laughs> the
3: king of Sicilia. So should we start into the? Into uh, the I guess. Okay, is that <laughs> yes, please. Okay. <laughs> so just like those. If shorts, you want to set, so do anything. Do you want so to? So it's set an it up? opening scene, and we can't go that far because <laughs>
0: There's uh, a,
5: Hermione breaks yeah, in Hermione. very very shortly. Yeah, we'll
3: go we'll go through to um, press me not how's that sure. Um, it's the opening scene of the play. Uh, where the it's at the court. And there's a celebration of the court. They're, they probably just had lunch, and everybody's having a good time. And um, uh, Polixenes delivers the news to his friend, uh, and the rest of the court, that he's leaving after being there nine months. So the scene opens with everybody coming in to the, to the court. And Polixenes comes in, he says, Nine changes of the watery star have been the shepherd's note since we have left our throne without a bargain. Time is long again would be filled up, my brother, with or thanks. And yet we should, for perpetuity, go hence in debt, and therefore, like a cipher, yet standing in rich place, with own we thank you, I multiply, many thousands more that go before it. Stay your thanks awhile, and pay them when you part. Sir, that's tomorrow. I'm questioned by my fears of what my chance or breed upon our absence. Besides, I've stayed to tire your royalty.
5: We are tougher, brother, than you can put us to. No longer stay. Unsaid night longer. Very sooth, tomorrow. We'll part the time betweens then,
3: and in that I'll no gainsaying. Press me not, beseech you so. There is no tongue that moves. Known, known no the world so soon as yours could win me. My fares do even drag me homeward, which to hinder were, in your love, a whip to me. My stay to you a charge
0: in trouble. To say both, farewell, or brother. Tongue tight, or queen. spare you. Thank you. Uh,
2: uh, sure. Yeah. Um, Should we uh, just do we'll, our first scene? Yeah. Um, but how far into it do we go? Just.
0: Uh, <laughs> how about? No, uh... Why don't
4: you just give us like a enthusiastic wave?
0: Talking too much. <laughs> oh, what? No, yeah. I okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
4: it's not a long. Yes. Now, into yeah. the scene. Sure. Let's do
2: the fish. scene. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna do the scene. <laughs> yeah. You can could always cut. All right.
1: Yeah.
2: So, um, uh, I am Florizel. Um, and uh, this, is, is, this is a scene from the second half of the play where uh, Florizel and Perdita are uh, being hap- sort of happy, lover, couple of people uh, <laughs> uh, talking about the, the um, sheep shearing festival that's about to occur. And uh, Perdita has some qualms about things.
4: So qualms about things means that Florizel is a prince, and she is, I realize a, is a, terrible a bastard child, <laughs> you know? Like, she's a shepherdess and of very low birth, and she's kind of doing a little check, like, hey, I don't think this is going to work. And Florizel's like, no, it's fine. Yeah. We'll so fine. this is kind of one of their, I think, first big talks. It's right. like a lovey couple, like, well, yeah. Yeah.
2: These your unusual ways to each part of you does give a life. No shepherdess, but flora, peering in April's front. This your sheep-shearing is as a maiden of the petty gods, and you the queen-aunt.
4: Sir, my gracious lord, to chide at your extremes it not becomes me. Oh, pardon that I name um, your high self, the gracious mark of the land, You have obscured with the swains wearin, And me, poor lowly maid, most goddess-like, pranked up. I should blush to see you so attired, Sworn, I think, to show meself a glass.
2: I bless the time that my good falcon Made her flight across thy father's ground. Now,
4: Jove, afford your cause. To me the difference forges dread. Your greatness hath not been used to fear, E'en know, I tremble to think your feather, be some accident, should pass this way, as you did. Oh, the fates, how would he look to see his work so noble, vilely bound up? What would he say, or how should I, in these, me borrowed flaunts, behold the starness of his presence?
2: Apprehend nought but jollity. The gods themselves, humbling their deities to love, have taken the shapes of beasts upon them. Jupiter became a bull and bellied the grey Neptune, a ram and plated, and the fire-robed God, golden Apollo, a poor humble swain as I seem now. Their transformations were never for a pace of beauty rarer, nor in a way so chaste, for my desires run not before mine honour, nor my lusts burn hotter than my faith.
0: All right, thank you. Yes. I realize how difficult that is often <laughs> like to cruel. throw actors completely context-free into a scene. So I appreciate. Uh, well, I've only
3: ever heard that backstage. I've never seen <laughs> that before. I've nice. never, never seen that before. Get a really good <laughs> representation of what we're doing. You know, just sitting yeah. around. Why don't they
2: just go around and watch in <laughs> the
5: lobby before it's sometime before With the end? With this run table. Ends.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> table of tension. Very representative. of What we're all about right now. <laughs>
0: Um, well, so, uh, what we will probably do is uh, we'll, we'll cut together a bunch of that stuff and uh, we'll put that part on DC Metro Theater Arts and uh, get you whatever, whatever else y'all want and need uh, uh, theater-wise. Um, but, Exit the Stage Door, my, the podcast home proper, is also about careers. Mostly because I did mine completely on accident and <laughs> I find it fascinating how often that is true of other people um so I'm, I'm i'm guessing at this level uh y'all have day jobs as well <laughs> as, mm. as your as your acting work and how did you get into acting and and uh what what keeps you there anybody can start
4: do you want to go from your left <laughs> no i already did that once we'll go to the right this <laughs> time oh, sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah all right so this is catherine um so I guess you start on stage doing little things. You know, you're a little ham when you're a kid. <laughs> so your parents are like, oh, "Put her in theater." Yeah. So I probably started doing like church plays and stuff mm-hmm. when I was a little kiddo, and through school. And you have those things where you're like, "I'm, I'm not going to do that. This is, you know, just for fun." And then you get that that. Burn that if you don't do this, you're never gonna be happy or you don't pursue it. So you do what you have to do because if you think of a uh, plan B, then you're not gonna focus on plan A. So for me, it's been, I studied, I was a double major in music and theater in college, both BAs.
0: At Pitt, I believe. Yeah, at Pitt. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's
4: a nice memory. Yeah.
0: Where I went, as
4: well. <gasps> hey! Yeah! yeah. You guys, you best friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was awesome, because it's not like a concentrated BFA program, but it was great, because I could cobble together everything I wanted, which ended up being really appropriate, because that's what life is, <laughs> cobbling together, getting those experiences, and making what you can. And so now I teach yoga. I teach little fitness classes for preschool kids, and I do theater, and I make it all work. And you go through those periods where are like, oh, I'm feeling kind of stagnant, oh, but if you let those, de- those aren't helpful, so you just keep going, keep going. So yeah, it's, wor- it's working out fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, that's, yeah. <laughs>
5: uh uh, uh, i don't know where to start um i guess i'm 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 sort of uh i come at it from a different angle because uh theater isn't isn't my profession or or even like my profession that i aspire to necessarily it's i mean i do it because i enjoy it i've always enjoyed doing it um but it was um it was never something where i was like yeah i'm gonna take the plunge and just do this and get the you know get a degree in it and, and mm-hmm. try to do it professionally and so I, uh, I did it in I did a little bit after high school and then in college um, I, ha- I was a theater major for a brief period of time um, for two years so I have like half of a theater degree <laughs> um, it was a very good program uh, in Scranton Pennsylvania at Marywood oh, University okay. um, so kind of also not concentrated it was a very you had to you had to special you had to take everything mm-hmm. so i had a broad experience in different uh areas and um and then i didn't do it for a long time um and then i got sort of felt i i ended up getting my degree is in english literature mm-hmm. uh so I think that was sort of the initial attraction to Baltimore Shakespeare Factory is because it's it, it fit my uh, <laughs> you know it fit my English degree <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mentality um, you know and that's how I approach acting still roles is is I, I approach it like I would approach analyzing a a, a novel or a you know mm-hmm. a, a piece of text um, and and that sort of like drives my choices as an actor <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if I have any interesting like stories to contribute career-wise. So who you want to be? <laughs> yeah. Is this a race car driver? I'm or? still wondering. Like, uh,
0: he says as he looks off <laughs> right, into the heavens and sort of a twinkle loses in himself. In the Let's future dream. Him, yeah, look Can over And some at, <laughs> piano. At John, John Brown <laughs> Moses over here. <laughs> John Brown Moses. That's amazing. Uh, actually, I don't have a degree in theater either. Uh, I went to Pitt for film studies. <laughs> but I spent a lot of time in the theater department there.
4: Yeah. yeah. We'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs>
0: my in my first life, I was actually a chemical engineer, but oh, then I you went to very interesting. Yeah. Life. That's why you definitely went to Pitt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I actually went to uh, Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland oh. for that one. Oh, just kidding. And yeah. then, um, and then I spent a year in Germany when my uh, my advisors were like, Yeah. You can take those classes in Germany, that's totally fine. And my resident director's like, you know this is in Germany, and, and like, this isn't an American university offering American-style courses and it just happens to be in Germany. That's the German university, and they're not going to care that you can't speak the language very well. And the dictionary for that course is $300, mm-hmm. and the dictionary for that course is $300. So you can do it if you want. Oh. Mm. Yeah, so then, then it was German. Then I went to the University of Texas, because the only thing you can do with the green German is get another degree in German. <laughs> and then I was like, academia's not it, man.
2: <laughs> and
0: then I went to the- <laughs> Whew. Yeah.
3: Oh, boy. Here it is. <laughs> Terry? Um, well, Terry O'Hara was um, definitely not a theater person <laughs> or an acting person for the vast majority of his life. Uh, I was, as professionally, for 25 years, I was a, a newspaper person. I was a reporter and editor for variety of newspapers and um, and then about five years ago uh, I went to an audition for a, 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 a musical that they were putting on in my neighborhood <laughs> and uh, got cast in Oliver as Fagin just out of the blue and, and had just a wonderful time and just completely fell in love with it um, every aspect of it and I've just been very lucky since then I've had I, I met Tom DeLeese and who's the Artistic Director of Baltimore Shakespeare mm-hmm. Factory, and he was eager to have me audition for parts here, and like I said, I've just been extremely lucky, and I don't know whether or not what's gonna happen with it, but I don't care, because it's just fun doing yeah. it.
2: Yeah, Well, um, hey, this is a, this is Brendan here. Um, ooh, career, that's a broad <laughs> thing. Um, all my life, I've, I've spent uh, around, uh, immersed in various aspects of the arts. Uh, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be an artist, I wanted to be a cartoonist and stuff, very much in drawing, and then in middle school um, I auditioned for uh, one of the musicals that was being put on, uh, and I got in, and then I got the, the theater bug, and then theater led to music. Um, I'm, a, I'm a trained uh, vocalist. I, I went to University of Maryland for, um, initially for vocal performance, and I got my BM in that, and then I got, in addition to that, because I had so much free time, <laughs> um, I got uh, my English degree, and that developed my love of uh, Shakespeare. I got really into Shakespeare and, and poetry, and then I just kind of mixed it all together and became this very strange uh, actor guy, um, and when I graduated, um, I had always been into acting, uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a shot. Uh I've, I've always, felt, always felt very comfortable on the stage and I feel like I have uh, at least some good acting sensibilities. Uh, so I'm gonna give it a shot. And then I uh, just kept auditioning and kept getting things. And then, uh, yeah, my first gig with uh, Baltimore Shakespeare Factory was Romeo and Juliet, which I did with the, the lovely Catherine Zorb, uh, hey. who, who you've heard <laughs> b- before. Uh, I, I, was, uh, I was Romeo. It's a, it's a joke, because <laughs> Emily right here, uh, she saw me in that, uh, and she uh, later in life uh, asked well,
1: me, I, oh. Okay. I, saw, I saw you in it before I met you. I right. just came to see the show, so I didn't yeah. know anybody in it. And Brendan had much longer hair. So yeah. He looked different, and I didn't have a face. And then I met him a year later with shorter hair. And he says he was in Romeo and Juliet. And I said, oh, who are you?
2: We're dating now. She <laughs> oh. was Romeo. So yeah, um, beyond that, I mean, I have, uh, anyway, back to career stuff. Uh, my day job, I'm a, I'm a social media coordinator for Colombo Bank. Nice. Yeah, uh, so I am from the internet. Uh, I know how to internet goodly, uh, and it pays the bills, and uh, it allows me to uh, travel all, of, all over the world, um, the greater Maryland, D.C., Virginia area uh, so I can gig and gig and gig and gig uh, and not have any sleep ever. Uh, So that's my life. Emily?
1: Um, I'm going to try to not make this too long because a day job is uh, an interesting thing (laughs) for me. Um, It's a cobble. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it's my first year cobbling a lot of things together, so it's a new experience. Um, But... I mean, I got into theater. Um, I was a middle child, <laughs> and I wanted a lot of attention. <laughs> um, yeah, but I um, there were opportunities in the you know, elementary school set for a lot of musicals, and I had a lot of fun with those. Um, and I did a summer program later. Um, in high school. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, and this was at the George Street Playhouse, oh, okay. which a state yeah. theater mm-hmm. of New Jersey, so I did a summer program there. That was really, I think, a pivotal moment in um, just changing my perspective on acting and the different ways to approach it, and really um, teaching it to me as a skill set, not just as in a oh, like um, I'm can be loud in front of people, and people tell me that I'm good. Or, you know, I, I learned a lot more of the um, the tools and the theories, and and got a lot of good practice with people who knew what they were doing. Um, it still wasn't as much as i loved it and got more and more into it and educated myself about theater and was reading plays and it wasn't really presented to me as a viable career (laughs) option so i went to um johns hopkins just around the corner for my undergrad degree um and i mean my my big fallback was writing so yeah (laughs) that's what i got my degree in but i I couldn't think of anything else that i wanted to Mm -hmm. do i couldn't think of anything yeah that I could imagine putting the effort into Um, and I you know I considered myself a writer did well in my writing classes and my argument also from the practical side of things was like oh well writing's versatile you can and I've successfully argued that um, into getting a number of jobs but um, it's a very small theater department there but A very very special one, and I have a lot of gratitude to the staff there. Um, John Aston was uh, the the head of the theater department, and because it was a very small staff, it was if you were somebody like me, who was very into it and took all of the opportunities that you can get. You get to know them very well. You get a lot of individual attention, and I've pretty much finished. All of the courses offered at the end of my <laughs> sophomore year, and I became the TA to the department um, to um, John. And I mean, he's wonderful. Um, the rest of the staff, um, it's a small one, so Jim Glossman, Peg Denithor, and Joe Martin. Um, <laughs>
4: Shout
1: out. <laughs> yeah, um, they were really wonderful and instrumental to me continuing to pursue theater at a professional level. Um, this is where I first studied directing as well, which is. I'm looking to um, for more directing opportunities as well as acting. So um, I really appreciate BSF for letting me in on this one. Um, yeah, and in I, I've tried doing a full-time day job and doing theater by night, and it's just really, really hard. It's really Especially if, um, you know, a lot of day jobs, they're, they're investing in their employees. Right. So they deserve somebody who's dedicated, and it's really, really hard <laughs> trying to be dedicated. You know, even you know, as coercive as the threat of homelessness and starvation is, <laughs> it's, it's still hard to get through the day when it's you have to put in all of this time. So um, I kind of went through a, a life change uh Just about a year ago, I I did my first show that got me to travel. And I kind of used that as a breaking off point to put together that cobbly, flexible (laughs) theater lifestyle. So I'm a teaching artist. I'm a standardized patient at several different hospitals. Oh, interesting. Um, Yeah, I have a part-time office job. um, And I do freelance writing and editing.
0: That is definitely the cobble. Uh, one of the things that I did, um, speaking of standardized patients, um, when I was in the University of Pittsburgh and desperate for money, uh, did, I don't know if they still, we'll talk about when, when you were there and all that stuff, but there's a place there called Novo Pharmaceuticals. It's actually out where oh, Whole Foods is in chase but whatever. Um, and. It was not a really bad neighborhood, so like, it was split equally between students who were desperate for money and people in the neighborhood whose job literally was to go to this place. And their, their work there was to make sure that um, generic drugs went through your system as fast as regular drugs, or at the same rate as the name brand. So you would go for two, and the minimum of two weekends, and they would draw your blood thirty-nine times over the course of those two weekends, or up to six weeks, depending. And um, uh, and it, it, like you had to eat every calorie they set in front of you, and you had to sleep when they said you could sleep, and. And uh, people Did the, they got IRB approval for this, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of an amazing look at like the internal workings of the actual industry, like, oh, you do have to test out a human being, oh and you're gonna me four hundred dollars for me to like take this version of um, amb- uh, ambient so like I'm going to be asleep for most of the sticks, yeah, yeah, that's easy. Uh, this Notoriously, that was they had they did one one was an oxycontin uh, weekend. That's a very famous weekend. In know, weekend. This is what people in the arts <laughs> have to go through, dear listener. Uh, <laughs> what yeah. <we> go through? <laughs> so the cobble. It's interesting because I um, so after I graduated from Pitt, I had been in school for eight years straight, and I, it was definitely time to get a job, and. Um. I didn't have a whole lot of good options for full-time work, but somebody's like, "Yeah, New York Station Film has this thing where it's really easy to be an intern. Uh, great. I did theater in high school in the church basements and all of that stuff, and uh, that turned into a job, and I'd always actually wanted, I went to film studies because I wanted to do filmmaking, because I wanted to do um, directing and writing and all of that stuff, and I thought, hey, if I can get a job just being a lighting person at a theater, that's, like, in the door, and that's, That'll, that'll help me make the turn, right? Uh, well, as, as that turns out, once you're in the door as a lighting guy, you're always a lighting guy. So I had to leave and then come back as that other guy that sits on the other side of the table. Um, and, and putting together that cobble is really, it's terrifying. But it's also very rewarding because I've done, like, crazy yeah. things I never would have anticipated <laughs> um, as a result of it, uh, so. Yeah, I yeah.
1: always say that one of my favorite things about it is that I'm never bored, <laughs> you know? I, I mean, it makes taxes hella confusing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and, you know, there's yeah. benefits yeah. would be nice. I have, um. a, I
3: have a career in, in business, and I work for a big uh, healthcare company, and it's by all sort of, um, External observation would be it would be a very demanding job Mm -hmm. and people who I work with um, In that job always ask me how do you find time to do acting? How do you do that? My gosh, they're all like dead at the end of the day They have no time they work all the time and I just tell them very simply and straightly I sacrifice this to do (laughs) acting I'm not giving all of myself to this job. I tell my boss that tell everybody around me that. And that's the kind of choices you got to make. And if you can't do them, you got to figure out a way to do them. Because it does take sacrifice, but it's so worth it. Mm
0: -hmm. it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That is a fantastic note. Um, I've Mm -hmm. taken up quite a lot of your time. You do have a show tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything other than the show that you would like to plug at this point in the podcast? Any other projects?
2: Uh, Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to be participating in... um, a stage reading of uh, Arthur Schnitzler's The Green Cockatoo uh, with uh, WSC Avant Bard this oh, okay. upcoming Thursday. Um, I can't remember the venue, but it's not a theater. <laughs> it's, uh, you I'll can put ch- it up in the show notes. Don't worry about it. Okay, that. yeah. Um, yeah, that's going to be this upcoming Thursday, and it's going to be pretty fun. It's going to be in a bar. I know that much. Right? <laughs> so, hey, come for some drinks. Have a good time.
4: If you're a literature geek, um, Faction of Fools, a yeah. comedy company in DC, yeah, um, we're doing The Miser by Moliere. Oh, yeah. And yeah. the director, Toby Mulford, is not satisfied with any translations. And his father has a doctorate in French literature. Dude. So his father wow. is wow. doing the translation. Still oh, cool. so cool. working on it. Yeah, that's so it'll, awesome. be, wow. it'll be interesting. So we open and we run through June.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good long time. Yeah, yeah it'll yeah. be yes. funny.
4: It'll be a hoot. Yeah, sure <laughs> <it'll be. laughs>
5: I'll plug the rest of our season.
4: Yeah, <laughs> so oh, yeah. so I'll, Baltimore
0: I'll
5: Shakespeare Factory. <laughs> yeah, we're um, we are our summer shows this summer. Twelfth Night, which is directed by Tom DeLeese, who's the artistic director. Um, Julius Caesar, which I'm directing, um, and then this fall we are producing uh, our first ever Shakespeare. We we I should say that um, we are uh, exclusively or have been up until this year exclusively a Shakespeare company. Um, and we are—it's always been Tom's part of his vision to produce uh, Shakespeare's contemporaries, also. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are doing our first ever contemporary. Uh, so we are now just exclusively early modern English drama, <laughs> uh, Elizabethan and Jacobean mm-hmm. um, drama. So, uh, which is a unique thing as far as theater companies are concerned. So we are doing *The Shoemaker's Holiday* by Thomas Decker this fall. So all the information is on our website,
3: uh, and you can. And *The Shoemaker's Holiday* is funny. Mm, okay. <laughs> Very funny.
1: Yeah, um, I've got a couple of things coming up. Um, Well, I'm going to be in um, Strindberg's The Pelican with Arcturus Theatre Company in D.C., uh, which is opening in May 14th. Uh, Before that, on April 23rd, I have a staged reading of a new play by um, D.C. playwright Carol Ann Douglas called Gertrude, Queen of Denmark. Oh <laughs> yeah! Um, it's my first time playing Ophelia, but <laughs> it'll be in a different different context. Um, and uh, yeah, and Twelfth Night. I will be in Twelfth Night with Baltimore Shakespeare Factory, and I'm also doing a thing with Capital Fringe in DC. So cool! All
0: right, yeah. Thanks, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you Thanks so much for having me. Yeah.
1: Thanks for having
3: us.
0: Yeah. <laughs>